welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. I want to tell you what our topic is today, and, and there's a real reason why the message time is going to get shortened today. I'm going to actually be talking about Satan today. And do you realize that Satan probably should get the least amount of play time Amen. as possible? So really, this is about Jesus today. Is it not about Jesus? Yes. It's about him and his kingdom. And I just want to share with you real quick um, where we're kind of at with some of the things that are going on in, in all of our locations. Do you realize that we're one church, multiple locations? You come to Pembroke and you think, oh my word, this is an amazing church. And it is an amazing church, but there are also other locations to this amazing church. One in Laconia, one in Manchester. And uh, this fall, we're going to be simultaneously launching campuses, one in Plymouth and one in Pittsfield. And we say this, all glory be to Jesus. Honestly, when we talk about this, we think, well, this is an expansion, some effort of the the church, you know, going and, and trying to become larger. And I say, it's really not becoming larger. It's about the impact that Jesus wants to have us to have in people's lives, to see lives transformed, see communities transformed. And I do say, and part of this process is that we've been given an opportunity as a church up in Laconia to actually own our facility. We've been renting for two and a half years. We had a three-year lease. And uh, we are now at this place. We, we have grown as a congregation, starting with about 120 um, people. We now average over 400, 450 people up in Laconia. And we're at the place where the congregation is self-sustaining in its generosity, and, and it comes to the place of saying, okay, God, are you wanting us to be in this location? And so we have entered into a letter of intent to actually purchase the building that we're in. And I just want to inform you about that because it does impact you. If you're a member of Grace Capital Church, if you sign the membership logs, at some point in time in the near future, we're going to actually be calling for a vote. Our structure as a church is our membership gets to vote on buildings and leases and that type of thing. So I just wanted to kind of drip some information for you guys to, to help you understand where we're heading. By the way, to own the building is going to be cheaper for us than what we're currently paying in rent. So we're actually being good stewards by looking at this. But just wanted to inform you, and, and as we get closer to uh, taking a vote on this, we'll give you more information as it comes. Well, just uh, that was just an aside. So we are on this series called Veritas. Veritas means truth in the Latin. And the first week we really were talking about, we actually only live half of a life when we believe half of the word of God. When we only believe half of what God's word says in here, we're only living half a life. And we really were talking about the importance of being in God's word and establishing that this is true. This is true. Last week, we talked about what image were we made in, and we were actually made in in God's image and he wants us to reflect. We use the mirror example. He wants us to, to reflect him. Remember, God used his very own hands and he formed us and he breathed life into us. And we're to reflect his image and his goodness. But this week, we are still sitting in the garden and we're still talking about the beginning of time as we know as expressed in the word of God and we have to go back to the garden we have to see where some things all of a sudden started going bad 
And I already told you we're going to be talking about Satan today. And, and honestly, I, I want to talk as little as I can. But I want to give you the information about who he is, where he came from, and his tactics and his motivation. Because we have to understand what he is doing to then understand how do we combat him. So first and foremost, I want to say that Satan is so crafty, he's manipulative, he loves to twist truth and only give you part truths. I don't know, when I was a little bit younger, well actually a lot younger, I I had this investment opportunity and and I don't know about you, but these things come along periodically where it's like, you can make X percent on your money if you invest with us. And it sounds so good. But you know the saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is not true. Well, when I was younger, though, I mean, it sounded so good. Invest in these commodities. And, and over this time, you're going to get 25, 30% return on your money. And it's so safe. Well, I, I invested some money and have to say I saw zero money come back to me. It all was taken and, and removed, but it sounded so good. How many people have gotten involved in things that sound so good? They look so good on the outside. You know, the, the email that comes through that says, uh, your Uncle Bob is in Europe somewhere and he's, he's lost his luggage and he needs help to get back home and he's lost his plane tickets. Would you send him some money? You know, it sounds like my compassion for him. Uncle Bob, he's struggling. He needs my help. And you give your banking information and you get taken advantage of. Or a relationship. It looks so great when you first get, you know, the flowers and the love notes and then you get married. You got duped. <laughs> now all they do is burp and leave their underwear on the floor. And what happened? You were, so, you were Prince Charming. Then we got married. No, that's not true. You didn't get duped. But you know, Satan, that's what he does. He gives us an appearance of things that seem so good and so right, but yet he twists the truth just enough to make it false. That's his tactic. If you look in Genesis, this is how he does this. Genesis chapter 3, if you have your Bibles or a device, if you'll turn there, please. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty, here we go, crafty, than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say to you? Did God actually say, you shall not eat the fruit or should not eat any tree? From any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the servant, We may eat of the, of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. couple problems here. Immediately, Satan begins to question the word of God. Did you actually, did God actually say? So one of the taxes tactics that Satan uses is always puts doubts in your mind to what God actually says. Did God actually say? 
The next thing is Eve actually doesn't fully quote what God said. So Eve is not completely sure what God said because God didn't even say touch, but she added the word touch. But going on to to this story. So here we go that Eve then gets confused. She believes that, you know what, actually eating of this fruit might be actually okay. It looks so good after all. And then Satan craftily says, see, God's trying to keep something good from you. He's saying, you know what? Actually, if you eat of this fruit, you'll have some knowledge of good and evil. You'll kind of be like God. So he plays to her senses of saying, hey, you know what? You actually might become more powerful. You actually might become, have more revelation if you do this. And after all, doesn't it look so appealing? And this is what Satan does. He presents these half-truths and he masks it in such a way that he twists it in such a way that we will take the bait and then he tries to ensnare us. Okay, we got to go back up a little bit. You know when we say that in the word of God that we kind of feel like the original sin is the sin of Adam and Eve. And by the way, Adam's going to get some blame here. It's not all Eve. We're not bashing on the women here today that say, the woman got deceived. Adam plays a huge role in this, by the way. And I'll, I'll share that in a bit. But the first sin actually didn't take place in the garden. The first sin actually took place in heaven. Satan, who others, his other name is Lucifer. Lucifer was an angel in heaven And he was a worshiper. And then something happened. Pride came into his heart and he began to feel like he should be like God. And so he started wanting to be God. And God says, no, that's, there's an order of things here. And yes, no, you cannot be like me and you cannot be me. Satan got upset and he rebelled and A third of the angels were then cast out of heaven to put on earth. And the leader of those is Lucifer, who we call Satan. So he is alive and well on this earth. This is his current domain. And here we find him first showing up in the garden. And he is hell-bent on destroying humanity. Why? Because man is created in the image of God. Satan despises God. And he is determined to try to bring down his creation. Try to bring down humanity. To separate us from a God who loves us. Who wants to be in relationship with us. So he is always, always working to try to pull us away from God, to create division in our lives, to have us come into a place of bondage in our lives. That's why I love today hearing the story of freedom. The stories of overcoming, because that's what Jesus does. See, Satan tries to cloak us with bondage and, and take away our freedom. And he does this through crafty trickery. Manipulation. He says, did God actually say to you, 
How often have you actually said this to yourself? Well, did God actually say that I can't marry an unchristian? Did God actually say that if I fudge those numbers in my business that, that I won't succeed or I won't get, God won't prosper me? Did God actually say that, you know, because we're not officially married, we're kind of shacking up that it's okay or not okay? Did God actually say and see all these little whispers, these little lies? And by the way, I want to tell you, Satan, he is not really trying to be the spooky boogeyman, you know, with the bulging eyes and all, all freaky with you. No, he's, he masquerades as an angel of light. He wants to come across as beautiful, tantalizing, attractive. You see, it's not the horror shows with the demons creeping out of the dark corners. Now, he will use fear, for sure. He plays on our emotions, for sure. But I believe he's more winsome to us as he masquerades as an angel of light. And he's drawing us oh so craftily into places that are going to bring darkness into our life. You know, he's very good at what he does. He's been practicing his craft for thousands of years. Did God actually say You think the thing is, is he's trying to thwart the very mission of God to bring redemption back to himself, that God wants to reunite people, his, his creation, his, his people that he loves, and he wants good, and he wants to bless us, and he wants us to live this life in the full. But we have an enemy that is so crazy to try to suck us away from that. Kind of the image that it gets to me is the little, little red riding hood. Who came up with that name, little red riding hood? It doesn't even, we were trying to think about this when we were writing these messages. Little red riding hood. It, I, I get the girl with, the, with a hood. Maybe it's a riding cloak. I don't know, riding hood. It's a weird name. But anyways, here's a, sorry, I took you on a little rabbit trail there for a moment. So, so here she comes and and the wolf disguises himself as the grandmother, and Little Red Riding Hood comes, Oh, Granny, what big eyes you have. Oh, all the better to see you, my dear. You know, it's like he's, Oh, Granny, what a big nose you have. Oh, the better to smell you, my dear. You know, I mean... First of all, Little Red Riding Hood is like, um, that's a wolf. It doesn't quite look like Granny. I mean, Granny must have been pretty hairy looking. <laughs> oh, my word. My grandmother, she's passed, but my grandmother always used to slobber me with a kiss. The problem with my gra- older, well, my grandmother anyways, had extra facial hair as she got older. <laughs> and she would kiss me and it would prick. And I was like, Grandma, what are you doing? Anyways, another little rabbit trail. Getting back on track. He's deceptive. He 
He'll make you think that he's something so attractive and good. And then he'll place doubt in your mind and say, Oh, but did, did God really say that? He must be trying to keep something good from you. He, he must be trying to keep something good from you. And in the reality, all it is is his trickery, his craftiness. I told you that Adam's going to get dragged into the story here in a minute. So Eve is really not fully to blame here. Adam knew the instructions that God had given. But for some reason, Adam chose to be passive in the relationship. He chose to not stand up and fight for what was right. And I have to say, one of the things I'm going to address... Now, Satan will try, is hell-bent on creating a mess in all areas. But one thing he despises is healthy marriages. Because the marriage relationship so represents the relationship that God has with his bride. Jesus has with his bride. And so immediately we begin seeing this, this conflict between husband and wife, Adam and Eve. And so here's Eve. She says to Adam, oh, let's eat this. And Adam says, oh, okay. And Adam knew for, full well what he was doing, I believe. But he didn't stand up for what was right. I believe in our culture today, men, I'm putting myself in this camp. But men, we need to stand up. Amen. We need to lead our families. We need to know the word of God that when our wives, our children, this world decides to deceive us and to believe that, hey, you know what? It's okay to allow these certain things in your home. It's okay to compromise a little bit. Men, where are we? Are we standing up and saying, no, the word of God says this and we're not bending to this. And then when our kids say, well, dad, is it really that difficult? I mean, is it really that wrong? Is, are you sure? Did, did God actually say, men, what does God say? Do we know that? We need to be in the word of God. We need to understand what God does say. I'm going to go on one little other little tangent here because I think it's so important. I think it's just been destructive to our families. I honor you women. I do. What I'm about to say does not diminish you in the least. I honor you. But I would have to say the women's lib movement has done huge disservice to the family today. And when the order of the family gets taken out, that, the, that Jesus is to be the head of a home, and then the, Jesus is the head, and then under the head becomes the man, and under the man is the woman, and it's not an oppressive authority thing. It's the way that Jesus has structured for us to healthfully live. And then what happens is when the woman decides that she needs to lead, and by the way, men, we've been so passive, we've allowed our women to lead in our homes. 
the order is wrong. And then so when Satan comes in and he, he tries to do all of his messy things and, and the guys are passively playing their video games and we're sitting back and just saying, oh, well, she will deal with it. Satan's wreaking havoc in our families. Men, women, be in God's word. Find out. Husbands, love your wives. This is where the husbands need to come in. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, wives, I know you're not going to like this. Submit to your husbands. Hear the filter of which I'm saying. If your husband is abusive, you do not need to submit to that. However, if you're just a little upset because you're not getting your own way, did the Bible actually say? (laughs) Here's the deal. Our job is to kick Satan in the teeth. To continue to find out, no, you have no right in my home. You have no right in my life. I'm not going to allow myself to be tricked anymore. But here's the deal. If we're not going to be duped, if we're not going to be tricked, the veritas truth which we established is in the word of God, do we know what God actually is saying? Are we in God's word enough to actually know what he is saying to us? So when Satan, who's so crafty, who comes as the angel of light, whispers these things in your ears and says, oh, it's okay. It feels so right. It can't be so wrong. (laughs) The interesting thing, by the way, I don't have a clicker up here. Are you just following me as I'm going along? You, You catching some of those things? All right. Let me see what you... Did you put the angel of light thing up there? Oh, he's... Look at that. They're doing well. All right. Carry on. So here's what we got. You wonder how we overcome the enemy? Ephesians 6. I want you to write this down. Ephesians 6. Verses 11 through 19. You see, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but about powers and principalities. That's where it's against, because our flesh is not strong enough. But the power of the Holy Spirit is. It's a spiritual battle. Now, it has a lot of fleshly consequences, When we choose to give in to our flesh and allow Satan to trick us, there's a lot of fleshly consequences. But our battle doesn't start there. Our battle is actually in the heavenlies. Ephesians 6, 11 through 19. I am not going to read this to you because I want to give you some homework. If you truly want to know, if you're serious about overcoming Satan and overcoming his trickery, his deception. Ephesians 6 tells us how. 
Now, one of those things that he says, really, this is the armor of God passage. If you have been in your word and know about the armor of God, this is what this passage is. One of them is the belt of truth, the veritas truth, the belt of truth. And I would have to say, I'm going to reiterate this again. We need to know what the word of God says. We need to know what the truth is. Do you remember when Jesus, after he was baptized, he went in the desert and for 40 days he fasted? And then Satan came along and and tested him, tempted him. First of all, I mean, Satan's kind of messed up himself if he thinks he can go tempt Jesus. Although Jesus was fully God and fully man at that point in time. So he was going to give his best And again, he played to his senses. Hey, you know what? If you just, I will give you all of this kingdom if you just kind of give in to me. Oh, I will turn this stone into bread. Place to our senses. Aren't you hungry, Jesus? 40 days, maybe a little bit. Why don't you, you think you're so God, you think you're so Jesus, jump off of this and let the angels catch you. By the way, Jesus could have done all those things. How does he overcome the temptation, though? Every single time Jesus combats him by quoting the word of God. How much do we know the word of God that we can actually quote it the next time that we feel tempted? I know I'm challenged by this message. I didn't grow up memorizing scriptures. My wife did. She went to a Christian school and, and she tells me all about her, her scripture memorizations. But I'm challenged to say, you know what? I need to not only be journaling through God's word, but I need to be memorizing some scriptures. Because by the way, there will be times that I won't have the word of God right in front of me and, and I get tempted. And by the way, temptation's not sin. It's when we give in to temptation that we say, oh, did God really say that? Take a little step or t- little, little step closer to the dark side. Did God really say that? Well, it looks so good. It feels so good. It can't be wrong. Does somebody come up and play some nice music behind me as I'm finishing up to really bring the point home? If you do, now would be their time you can do that. But here's the deal. We can overcome like Jesus. You do not have to live in this defeated place in life. We already heard a testimony about that today. You do not have to live a defeated life. You can overcome like Jesus. You can overcome like Jesus. But what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. 
Now there's a lot of other areas in Ephesians 6 that we need to do that, that allows us to overcome Satan. And, and I want this to be seriously be your homework this week. Be in God's word. Read that every single day, this Ephesians 6, 11 through 19. Meditate on it. Practice it. Get it into your DNA. I love this verse in James chapter 4. James is one of my favorite books of the Bible. So practical. James 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourself to God. What does that mean? It means we come underneath his lordship. It means that we're allowing him to be over us. It means that we believe that his word has authority. It means that he gave us his Holy Spirit to be alive and active in us, that we need to submit to that. And he says when we do, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It comes first by our submission to God, but then resist. Resist is an active coming against actively coming against. You see, it is not going to be, oh, I hope Satan gets away from me. I hope he's going to be a flea from me. Hold up the crucifix. No. This is truth, God. I'm wrestling through your truth. I'm going to stand on this truth. Oh, my word, God, this is what you say? This is this how you want me to live? Oh, God, it's hard. It's, it's against the grain, but I submit to you, Jesus. I submit to your Lordship. I want to live this way. Oh, but did God really say this? Did God really? Just just give it a little bit. No, I'm not going to give in because your word says this. I am not going to give in. Because now I know what Satan's all about. He wants to put me in bondage. He wants to separate me from God. He wants to separate me from all the good things that God wants in my life. No. I'm going to resist the devil and he's going to flee. Father, right now, I just... I cover the message that was given. Lord, I do know that when we mentioned 
the name of Satan, that Satan, you somehow, you're so twisted that somehow, even though we're calling you out, that somehow you are attracted to that. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that, that we bind any manifestation that Satan wants to bring, that we bind anything that when people leave today, the lies that the enemy wants to place in them. But we seal up the truth that was spoken here today. The truth of your word. And right now, if everybody would just palms up and whisper to God, I submit myself to you. To your lordship. To the authority of your word. I'm determined to know your truth that is found in your word. I'm determined to know your scripture as a tool to combat the enemy. Lord, I just thank you for what you've done here this morning in our worship of you and testimonies of freedom. You're a good father. We love you. We want to follow you. We want to live for you. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.